Welcome to episode number one on the My Story Podcast. The My Story Podcast features interviews with leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs who tell us their story and the life lessons they've learned along the way. Hi, my name's Conrad Weaver, and I'm your host for the show, and I'm so glad you're here today. A little bit about me. I'm a filmmaker, entrepreneur, storyteller, and a wannabe sailor. Yeah, I love to get on the water. I just don't get to do it very often. So if anyone out there in the Annapolis area has a sailboat and wants to go sailing, I'll be happy to be your first mate or just swap the decks. That'd be fun. I'm so excited to launch this podcast today and especially to have our guest, Linda Ellis, on the show for the very first episode. But first, before we begin, a word from our sponsor. Kanjo Studios is an award-winning video production company whose focus is helping you tell your story. They love telling stories that matter. If you have a corporate message or even a documentary you want to produce, Kanjo Studios has the experience and knowledge to get the job done on time and within your budget. Visit KanjoStudios.com, click on the blue Get a Quote button, and let them know what you need. Then watch your stress melt away as their team does the magic of producing your next video or film project. That's Kanjo Studios, telling stories that matter. So on to today's show. You're in for an amazing treat. Linda Ellis is the award-winning owner, president, and CEO of the Washington DC-based Capital Concierge. Under her leadership, Capital Concierge brand has become synonymous with best-in-class service and top-notch professionalism. Linda's accomplishments include being named the 2016 CEO World Awards Gold Winner Female CEO of the Year in the Hospitality and Travel and Recreation Division. She also won the Golden Bridge Awards 2015 Gold Winner Women Executive of the Year and the prestigious National Capital Business Ethics Award in 2012. She's been listed on the Inc. 5000 list, and her accomplishments just go on and on. I've had the distinct privilege of knowing Linda for about nine years, and I'm so thankful that she agreed to be on my very first podcast for the My Story Podcast. I think you'll appreciate her story, her business sense, and passion for the industry that she leads. So without further ado, here's my interview with Linda Ellis. I am honored to have Linda Ellis with me here. I'm actually sitting in her office here in Rockville, Maryland. Linda, tell me who you are and what do you do? Hi, Conrad. It's great to be here, and thank you so much for allowing me to do this, and welcome to Capital Concierge. I'm the owner and CEO of Capital Concierge. We are a 32-year-old company, and we provide concierge services in commercial office properties and residential, shopping malls, and in private corporations worldwide. You know, when I was thinking and putting together the idea for this podcast and thinking about all the different people I would love to interview, and your name rose to the top as, I've got to have Linda on my very first show. <laughs> Just because you've been a good friend for so long, and I really respect your your business practices and what you do here and really believe in what you're doing. and. I just wanted to have you on the show just to pick your brain and talk to you about what you do and how you do it. Thank you so much. I'm really excited and honored to be in the first one. So in a nutshell, what does Capital Concierge do? What do you guys do? 
Well, if you think of hotel concierges, we do that, but we don't do any hotels. So we're the people who save you time. You don't have time to plan your bachelor party. You don't have time to plan your wedding. You don't have time to get reservations. It's a hard-to-get reservation restaurant. You don't have time to plan your vacation. You want to go on a safari. There's no way you're too busy. We'll do that for you. So you go on vacation for me? Uh, I love that. <laughs> I would love that, actually. Maybe we'll change the pace. Right? Yes, exactly. It's a little bit of a different Conrad, business model. where do you model. want to go? I'll go for you. Yeah. Thank you. You know, that's uh, something that a lot of us uh, and people in business, I'm sure, need. They need someone that can book their flights, that can take care of that those details. And you guys do that. And I think you guys do that very well. We do that. Uh, we try to do anything you need us to do as long as it's legal and ethical. And there's a reason we say that, as you can well imagine. But people just don't have time anymore. Mm -hmm. And people value time. Mm -hmm. And they want to do things. They want to work-life balance. We try to give mm -hmm. them that back. And so we are an amenity to the people to, that we serve. And it's really important that we gain people's trust. Because when you're planning your bachelorette party or you're planning... We don't do a lot of weddings, but we do all of the things around the weddings. We've mm -hmm. planned lots and lots of honeymoons. We've gotten special gifts for their, your spouse. We've mm -hmm. done, we've gotten an old goat for somebody <laughs> to present to one of their uh, friends who was turning 60. Where did you find a goat? Well, we found it actually here in Maryland, but we had to transport the goat, accompany the goat to New York, wow. and present the goat to um, the, our client's good friend hmm. with a big bow around his neck with a tag that says, Happy Birthday, You Old Goat. <laughs> and the story doesn't end there because what happens to the goat, right? Right. Well, the goat is living a very happy life uh, because we found a forever home for the goat. Nice. That is awesome. I know you've told me some other stories about crazy things people wanted. You know, one guy wanted, what, six-foot-tall roses delivered? Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we, if you have a request and we can make it happen, we will make it happen. Wow. As and, long as it's legal and... and, and <laughs> as long as it's legal and ethical. And people come up with some very interesting ideas. And mm. the gentleman with the roses, he wanted to wish his sister a happy 45th uh, birthday. Mm. So precisely at 8 a.m. on Sunday morning, we were uh, knocking on her door in Philadelphia with a beautiful Cartier bracelet with a note from him in Russian, wow. uh, because they are Russian, mm -hmm. and 45 beautiful long stem red roses. Wow. And the important thing about that of being a concierge service is you have no idea what we had to do to do that. Mm -hmm. You just know, I asked you to do it, you go get it done. Mm -hmm. And that's what you do, you, you get it done, right? Right. We are the get-it-done people. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, how did Linda Ellis get into this business? I mean, you have a long journey to from Las Vegas to Rockville, Maryland. I do have a long journey. And when I came to Capitol in 1998, I didn't even know how to spell concierge. <laughs> I can do that now. But I was in a completely different industry in instructional technology. And... Capital is my third company, mm -hmm. not counting the first one I started when I was 12. And you, wait, I, you started the company when you were 12? I did. Wow, what I was did. that? It was a babysitting company, and I did really well. I did much better than my friends, and mm -hmm. so my friends joined me. And I think at the time, because I am older, um, 
I think the going rate was uh, 50 cents an hour. Mm -hmm. And people would come home at the end of the night and they would say, so Linda, how much do we owe you? And instead of saying, well, you were gone for three hours, so it's $1.50, I would say to them, looking at them, what do you think it's worth? <laughs> and so I made a lot more money sure. than my friends. Wow. Uh, and it worked out very well. So I was, I was successful doing that. Uh, and then I uh, got into the instructional technology industry, loved it, did really, really well there, and was happy, but it got to be that it was boring. There was no challenge, and I wanted to do something else. So I sold my, um, my second company, and it gave me an opportunity to look around. I met Mary Naylor, who's our founder, extraordinarily bright, beautiful young woman who uh, really created this industry because when she started our company in 1987, there were no concierges and commercial office properties. Mary just thought of that. So in 1998, she wanted to start another company, VIP Desk, which is yet again, Mary, uh, wanted to start a virtual concierge service. Well, the internet was just beginning. I mean, it's not like it is today, but she knew what the market needed before the market knew it. And so she wanted to start that, and she needed somebody to run capital. So I came on board and purchased the company in 2007. Well, and so I'm sure you've had some challenges along the way. We have. When you're dealing with people, there's always opportunities. Right. <laughs> Versus <laughs> I, challenges. Yes, right? <laughs> I, I try to focus on the positive. Somebody said to me the other day, can you just not be so positive? Well, I just... I. That's who you are, huh? That is who I am. Yeah. I just am. I'm an optimist, and I think every challenge, if you want to talk about challenges, every single challenge is an opportunity for mm -hmm. you to learn. It's an opportunity for you to grow, mm -hmm. hone your skill, whatever skill that is, mm -hmm. and it's hard. And then you can manage. You can learn to manage through it. Unless somebody died, you can move on. Right. And so we like to think of them as opportunities, but. When I came to Capital, we had 87 people, and um, more than half of them were in the corporate office, which was crazy. Wow, that's uh, a little upside yeah, down. Yeah, we had it? actually, I guess it was 19, I should say, mm -hmm. in the corporate office. We don't even have 19 now. Mm -hmm. I believe in very flat organizations. Mm -hmm. keeps you closer to the customer. Uh, and now we have 438 employees. Wow. Our standard is very high. We're very selective about our employees. Mm -hmm. And so... We grow because of the work that our concierges are doing, mm -hmm. and it is taking care of the uh, of the client a hundred percent of a hundred percent of the time. So I came securitously here, I guess, um, but I love what we do. I have always been in a service industry. I just love people. I like working for with people, and so uh, it's very different from an instructional technology perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we are closer to the client, and we do get different kinds of um, requests and that kind of thing. But I will tell you, as much fulfillment as I had working with the kids and making a difference for them, that's the kind of difference that we make for our clients here. Mm -hmm. You know, you touched about a little bit on your background, but let's go way back to okay. your growing up years. Because <laughs> uh, it's always fun to hear those stories of how someone grew up and came down this path to where they are today. So what, what was that like for you? Well, I was born and raised in Las Vegas. There's not many of us left anymore, I mm -hmm. guess. But that was a great town to grow up in, mm -hmm. and uh, it was very safe. 
course, when I grew up, the mob was there. And so they controlled a lot in a way that made you feel very safe, and it was safe. And I, I cut my teeth on learning service. My father was an entrepreneur. He had a, a, a meat market, was a butcher. And he taught me all the things that I hated at the time. <laughs> But I very much appreciate now. Isn't that funny how that works? Yeah, I think with all kids, I think with all of us, we think, okay, well, I really, I sound like my my dad, right? (laughs) But it's very much those lessons, and you can either take advantage of them and put them to use for Mm -hmm. yourself, or you can ignore them. But my father was a single father, and he kept me very, very busy because he was a single father. He worked 12 hours a day, six days a week. And so he had me volunteering for everything. And I was in the Girl Scouts, the Brownie Scouts, the Girl Scouts, fire, uh, Campfire Girls, mm-hmm. uh, Rainbow, which is the Masonic organization. Okay. I went through the chairs there and, and did a lot there. And I learned to give back to the community. And my father taught me that you do give back to the community. That's not an option. It's what you do. And so that's very, very important to me. It gives me the internal passion that I have. And those are some of the values that you bring to your company today. Yes, absolutely. Because we say that we do what we say we're going to do when we say we're going to do it. And I remember once my dad was talking to me and uh, I had done whatever. And I said, well, it's okay. And he said, no, it's not okay. And I said, well, nobody will know. And he said, it doesn't matter, you know. My father was born and raised in Belfast, Ireland. It's all about accountability. Mm -hmm. And you do what you're supposed to be doing. Because it really doesn't matter if anybody knows. Mm -hmm. You have to look yourself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. That's character. Yes, yes. That really comes down to it, that your internal character is who you are when no one else is looking. That's right. And it's so important, particularly I see a lot in today's workforce Mm -hmm where they don't have that moral compass. Mm-hmm. I think in, on so many levels that we deny our children the very things that made us strong. And that's, I don't know if I can say this in the podcast, but I'm very, very much against getting a medal because you showed up. Mm. It's just I'm with dr- you. drives mm. me crazy. You get a medal because you did something extraordinary and because you won. And if you never learn how to lose, which is where the real lessons are, if you never learn how to lose, fall down really hard and pick yourself up, you never learn that you can pick yourself up. You never learn that you have a really strong core. And if we're denying our children that opportunity... And then we wonder why the teachers in school are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Well, what is that exactly? Raising my child or is that my responsibility as a parent? Hello. (laughs) Exactly. And so I'm a little bit on my soapbox, as you can tell. I'm very passionate about that because I, we deal with it in corporate America. We walk, I mean, we see people come in for an interview totally unprepared. They're not either dressed right, they don't uh, have respect, they don't greet. And of course, in the concierge business, we meet and greet and we make everybody, we're the, we're the happy people all the time. And we 
to give you an example, our recruiters interview on an average of 34 people face-to-face to find one wow. that we will make an offer. And then we pray to the drug and background gods that they pass. <laughs> wow. And then just this week I had somebody say, I asked them why they were late, and they said, well, I didn't know I had to be on time every day. What? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how to have that conversation. Right. Right? right. I mean, I, I've taught my kids that if you're not 15 minutes early, you're probably late. Oh, my gosh. That was so my father. If I wasn't in the house with a porch light off 15 <laughs> minutes before I was supposed to be home, mm-hmm. I had you know what to pay. Mm-hmm. Because you were – his story was always, Linda, if you can take a bus and get someplace where you need to be one minute late, or you take the other bus that's an hour mm-hmm. early, mm-hmm. you take the hour early bus. Absolutely. You know, that's my philosophy, too. Sometimes I have projects down in D.C. and have a shoot down there. And, and for my house, I live 70 miles from downtown D.C. And so if I have a 9 o'clock shoot in D.C., which is just murder for me, yeah. I leave the house at 530 exactly. to go 70 miles. I, I would, In my philosophy, and I've drilled this into my son who's going into production world, I said I would rather be an hour early than a minute late. You bet. That's what I've said because there's always a, a coffee shop you can go into and – hang out until you're ready to, you know, to go in. And I would suggest that that's one of the many reasons you're so successful mm-hmm. is because you have that, you have, you know, and thankfully it's a blessing to your kids that you're mm-hmm. drilling that in because you know what? You're showing your kids what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. And just by doing that, they will differentiate themselves mm-hmm. in the marketplace Absolutely. and make a whole lot more money. And I suggest be a whole lot happier. Absolutely, I told Spencer the other week when he, we were talking about you know his future and and you know having interviews and having jobs, and I said if you make yourself the hardest working person on the set, you show up early, you stay late, you will be more successful than any of your peers. Amen. Because that just so that true. sets you apart. Exactly. I mean, how easy is that? Right. You don't even have to know anything, exactly. and you it sets you apart, right? Yeah, right. So how can we change that in the culture? Well, I, th- I do think that we have to have continual, consistent conversation about it. Mm-hmm. I think that we need to challenge people to recognize you do, you do want to make it better for your children, mm-hmm. but you want to make it better for your children in ways that will help them, not hinder them. Mm-hmm. And I don't see enough conversation about it. Mm-hmm. I see lots of passion about it, where I've been to board, I'm sure you have two school board meetings where people are really upset because the teacher disrespected a student. Well, I can tell you, if I didn't respect my teacher, mm-hmm. I had hell to pay right. when I went home. Sure. It was, you respect them, mm-hmm. and you know what? I don't have to like you, but I respect your position. Sure. And... We've lost that. And so teachers are not able to focus on giving me the building blocks that I need in order for me to be successful. And I see that as a real problem in our education industry. Uh, In America, this is just so sad. I was with someone today for breakfast from the British Embassy, and we were touching a little bit on that. 
uh, about how different it is from here in the UK and mm -hmm. those kinds of things. And that was one of the things that we just touched briefly on is how different it is and how disrespectful American students are. How sad is that? Yeah, that's, that's a sad state of our, I mean, it really is, it shows where we're going. Right. And we have control of that. Yeah. Right? I don't, I don't care what anyone's political persuasion is, but where are people holding themselves accountable? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that every teacher is perfect. Mm -hmm. I'm not. No mm -hmm. one is. Right. But I am saying there's an erosion of our education system mm -hmm. that affects the economic growth of this country. Mm -hmm. And the things that we have been known for and build and the, the values that we have in this country are being eroded and we're standing around looking at ourselves, wow, that's really bad. Look at what happened. What happened to us? Mm -hmm. Well, we happened to us. Right. Right. I think people, we each individual need to take accountability for making the change. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, we're accepting what's going on. And then trying to blame someone else. I, I remember years ago when I was in my former industry, I did a lot. I lived in Texas, did a lot of work uh, there in the Rio Grande Valley, particularly. And I'm with this person that I, a colleague, and I, um, he's a Texan, and his ego wouldn't fit inside the state of Texas because everything <laughs> everything's is, bigger in Texas. Everything <laughs> is bigger in Texas. And we had this conversation, and it. To cut it short, to net it down, he said, you know, Linda, in Texas, we believe when you point a finger at someone, you have three pointing back at yourself. <laughs> and I have never forgotten mm. that. My daughter, Misty, hears that a lot. My grandkids <laughs> hear that a lot. And our team hears that. Mm. So you're pointing your finger at those folks. Mm -hmm. What did you do to make that change? Mm. Did you have a conversation with them? Oh, no, you didn't want to hurt their feelings or you didn't want to confront them. That's not fair. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you have a conversation with somebody and say, hey, that, you know, that really hurt my feelings? Or why, what is your perspective on that? I, I completely don't agree with that. We're not comfortable having healthy conversations and agreeing to disagree. But without the conversations, you, nothing changes. Right. So what are you doing with your, because you have a lot of younger people that work in your yes. industry. What are you doing to, to add some of those values to their their positions. It's a really good question, Conrad. We're going through and have been going through for the past eight months. Uh, some things, some things have changed in our in our in our company. Where I, I needed to bring in a acting CFO and an acting mm -hmm. consultant who were from the outside, mm -hmm. and so they see things with different eyes. Mm -hmm. They have a different lens, and one of the things they they interviewed me about was what are your values and, and what, what do you want for your, your company and for your employees? So we put those, those values down on paper and those are I think our that's values. so important. It is very important yeah. to commit them to paper because all of a sudden they have a little bit more meaning, if mm -hmm. not a lot. And so just this morning, the management team, the executive management team, and I were meeting, we're all there, and we're talking about our values. And the question became, well, it's great that we have these values, but how do you measure those values in communication and what you're doing? And I said, well, you have to model them every day. You have to lace our values into our conversation. They have to be a part of 
who we are. Yes, but how do you specifically measure that? So it's not just having the values put down on paper, but how are you demonstrating them? How are you modeling for them? And one of the things we talked about when we're talking to other employees and you're having a hard conversation because somebody doesn't like what you're talking about, are you talking, are you respecting them in the conversation? And are you talking about the values? Because one of the things is our standard is 100% of 100% of the time. Well, what does that mean to me exactly if I'm an employee and I'm behind a desk? It means that 100% of 100% of the time you're doing what you should be doing. Now, it, that's just we're all per perfect. We're not. We're human beings. And so we have to work toward that goal. But I remember years ago, one of my um, CEO I worked with, he set a very high goal. And I said to him, Jack, I'm, not sh I'm telling you, we can't make this goal. I mean, you know me. I'm willing to stretch. And he said, Linda, if you shoot for 90%, that's what you're going to do. I've never forgotten that. So we shoot for 100%. We're not perfect. But what we do is when we make a mistake, we own it. And I think that's one of the things I see lacking. Rather than run for the hills, if you're willing, my father used to say to me, if you do something, you should be willing to put your hand up and say, yes, I did that. Whether it's good or bad, you own it. It's yours. And you can't escape that. And that's hard for some people. And I would suggest it's hard because they haven't been given the blocks that you and I were given, Conrad, where we've learned the value of our word. Mm -hmm. I just signed a contract, signed, quote, unquote, I'm doing this air quote <laughs> that you can see, with some, another company. We're going to bring them on. As, we're going to be partners in something that is pretty significant for our industry. It's big. Uh, and I'm really excited about it. And I looked him in the eye and I said, we can shake on that. And he put out his hand, we shook, and he said to me, isn't it wonderful we don't need any paper? Mm -hmm. Because he and I both know we made an agreement. Mm -hmm. And whether there's any attorneys involved, whether anybody knows about it, he and I know about mm -hmm. it. And we're willing to bet on the other person because we know the character of the other person. And your word is your bond. Exactly. And I yeah. think we've lost that. Absolutely. I've, I've seen that over and over again in various situations where, you know, well, we, don't, we need a signed contract. Well, what, what do I just tell you that I'm going to do what I'm going to Right. I'm Why would you, you question that? Right. Right? And it's, we've lost that. And I think there are times, obviously, I'm sure you have your company incorporated. I'm in court. We're incorporated. Mm -hmm. we're, we have all of the legal stuff. Sure. But that's not what really matters. Right. You know, one of the things, this happened not long after I came, I was at Capitol, maybe five or six years. I was being introduced to someone by another customer, by one of our clients. And as he introduced me, he said, Linda is the kind that will be there at 3 a.m. when you need her. It was one of the best compliments I ever received. And he said, you don't have to question it's done. So it goes to, can people count on you? Can people believe you? Linda, there's something in your company that I've watched over the years that that is, I think, one of your top things. Your thing is customer service. Would you agree? Yes. Why is customer service so important? It's important for so many reasons, not the least of which it will grow your business. It's important because it differentiates you. It's important because when I'm the customer, I know how I like to be treated. 
And it really is based in our very, very simple value of do what you want others to do, treat. The, you want to treat people the way you want to be treated. Mm. In our new hire class, I'm the first one who talks to our new hires, and I talk to every one of our new mm. hires. And I tell them, you know, there, thousands of years ago, there was a man who said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's who we are. Because when I'm the customer, I know what it is I expect. And I am a critic, and I notice things that happen. And coming out of Las Vegas, we're, we were a tourist town, still is, and we wanted people to come to Las Vegas. So from the time I can remember remembering, it was all about customer service and how do you treat other people? Not because you're going to get something back, because of what you get back in terms of making somebody else feel better, of making somebody else's day. And customer service, its I'm very passionate about it because that's how you treat people. Why would I not treat you that way? And that's who our company is. And I'm very proud of the fact that our company's growth over these years has been and still is 100% referral. We don't outmarket. We don't advertise. These are calls coming into us either through our website or the telephone. Will you come in and talk to us? Wow. We're very fortunate. But you have to earn that. Sure. Right? It's your mm -hmm. reputation. Yep. And it's, we're very fortunate. We're going, we're branching out, as, as you know, and it's because of the customer service for what we're known for. I will give you a great example it just happened yesterday. Our senior VP went to see a client who was not happy. He has a conversation with the client, and he said, I'm just going to be right up front with you. I'm looking. I called my friends, and I said, if you were going to have a concierge service, it's in a high-end residential property. If you're going to have a concierge service, who would you call? And without hesitation, the person, I don't know who it was or is, on the other end of the line, well, you have to call Capital Concierge. And he said, but I have Capital Concierge, and I'm having problems. And the first thing this person said, well, have you talked to Linda? Because she runs a very tight ship, and she needs to know, if you haven't told her, shame on you, she needs to know that you're not happy. And he told that to our, our, our vice president. And I thought, what a gift that is. I have no idea who that person is, but... He just helped us save that account. Sure. And there were things going on in the account that we didn't know for a number of reasons, not the least of which you have to partner with your clients. It's not us and them. Mm -hmm. It's us together providing that service mm -hmm. and, uh, and are doing what we should be doing when we should be doing it. I, I think for me, one of the most memorable <clears throat> customer services experiences that I've had was about four years ago, maybe five years ago, so I, I do a project for a client every year, Securitas mm, USA, mm -hmm. sent me away to a four-day retreat in western Pennsylvania, and this was at the Nima Colon Woodlands Resort, mm -hmm. and which is a fabulous place, five-star mm -hmm. resort. It's, it's amazing. And about five years ago, I was there, and I got up in the morning to take a shower, and the water just literally dribbled out of the shower head. So long story short, I let management know and they came and fixed the shower head the next day. Everything was great. A year later, I came back to the same place. And when I walked into the room, there was a gift on the, on the table. 
and it said, Conrad, since we know you had a bad experience last year with your shower, here's a little gift. And it was just some nice goodies and you know some nice things. That was amazing. I was blown away. I wrote a blog about it. They reposted the blog. Two years later, I walked in. Same thing. I had another gift on my table. Two years after the incident, mm-hmm. they remembered. And they still took care of me. And it was an unbelievable customer service. I mean, they've won it's, a customer for life. Exactly. Exactly. And it doesn't take a lot to do that. It didn't cost them much to do that. Right. And it really wasn't, I would suggest, it wasn't the goodies that you got, but it was the thought Absolutely. behind that. Absolutely. That they valued who you are, yeah. who you're coming to their property. Yeah. That was important to them. And that is what I grew up with because in all of those hotels, it's not the owners who are paying for that. Mm -hmm. It's all of the tourists who are coming. Sure. Right? And so just that kind of a service, Conrad, Mm -hmm. that you received at Nemo Collin is incredible. Mm -hmm. And it's not brain science. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a PhD. You don't even have to go to high school to be nice to people and consider them valuable to you and to your life Mm -hmm. and your business, right? Right. right. What would you say to those young people, maybe a young entrepreneur, maybe someone who's coming out of college, maybe just got their MBA and they're going into the business world? What's the number one thing they should know about going into business? Be fearless. And when people tell you that you can't, don't believe them. Because I'm not certain who, maybe it was Einstein actually or Henry Ford who said, if you... Don't think you can do it. You're right. Mm. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love it. Because I don't care if people think that your idea is dumb or there's no way you can do it or how are you going to get your funding. That's not what's important. It's what's burning in your stomach. Mm. It's that passion that you have in, in your heart and your soul. Mm-hmm. And it's and it very much is, and I'm sure you're an entrepreneur, it's, I don't, I don't know the answers to that. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to get all that done, but I'm going to mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. And I'll figure it out along the way. Mm-hmm. It's like when I was purchasing the company. I went to the board and I said, I, I'd like to buy the company. That, they said, that's a great idea. I said, yeah, I think that's a great idea. And it depends on the day whether that was a great idea <laughs> some days. But I said, I'll go find the funding. And I had to get to a lot of people saying no to me before I got to the person who said yes to me. So it's what is inside. You have to, you have to have that passion and burning in your, in your heart and soul. And I think if you're expecting as an entrepreneur that you're going to create this company and make a lot of money even the Googles and the Facebooks and the Salesforces and the whoever's in the world, their CEO has sleepless nights. Mm. There are challenges that you know that you have no idea what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. But you have to, that in those times, you have to have faith in yourself. And I've always said, and I think it's because of my my roots coming out of Las Vegas. If I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet on me because I know me mm-hmm. and I know what I'm willing to do. Mm-hmm. But people are surprised when I talk to them that 
there was a situation several years ago, and it was embarrassing to me. And then I find out that several of my my friends went through the same thing, where their controller was keeping two sets of books. I find out when our line is maxed, payroll is coming up, and I don't have any money, and I owe $250,000. Well, that wasn't a fun moment. But you know what? I went to all of our service partners, all of our vendors, and I said, this is the situation. Not going to be able to pay you, but I, I will pay you. I'm just not going to get it done in the next two or three months. Without exception, every single one said, put me at the bottom of the list. Hmm. And then I made sure that I, the bank helped me out, and I didn't pay myself for six months. Somebody not long ago who was starting their own business said, well, you didn't pay yourself? Well, no, I didn't pay myself. Our employees, who, oh, by the way, are the reason I have a business, <laughs> need to be paid. Mm -hmm. As the owner, you come last. And that's a philosophy that I think <clears throat> that a lot of young people need to understand. Yes. That it's, it's the people that you surround yourself with who help you be successful. That's true. No one, no one has ever been successful without help. Yeah. And even like me, I, I'm, a, I'm a solopreneur, so I'm by myself, right. you know. But without people around me, people like you, who I've surrounded myself with, that's why I can be a success. Exactly, because you can talk about things and get other perspectives, yep. and you can learn things. I mean, we've tossed, how many ideas have we tossed around and talked about? And that's a value to, each, to the two of us, And that's right? so much fun. And sometimes I'm like, Linda's calling me, asking me to lunch. <laughs> I mean, what does she want from me? What, 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 if she's been a you know, huge success, what can you learn from me? I don't know. You know, but that, that's been so much fun for me to do that. Well, and, and it's I thank been, you. Well, and I thank you because you're always there for me, Conrad. And it's, there's things, I have ideas, and it's asking you for, should we do this? And you say, no, I, I think you need to tweak it this way. Well, no one has all the right answers. Mm -hmm. And when you say, I think you need to tweak it to the right or left or wherever, mm -hmm. that gives me insight. That helps me mm -hmm. grow the business. And that's what young people need to understand is, to your point, you have to surround your people, yourself, with people who are A, positive, B, believe in you, and are not going to BS you. Mm -hmm. One of the first things I did when I bought the company is I went to some people that I knew would tell me the truth, what they mm -hmm. saw, and I asked them to be on our advisory board. Well, that's, I pick their brains all the time, just like I pick your mm -hmm. brain. It's, it's surrounding yourself with people who are going to support you emotionally, psychologically, mm -hmm. and from a business perspective of saying, no, you got your head up the wrong way here, right? And it's so important, and we help one another, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's, uh, what are you excited about next? Well, um, I'm very, very excited about the opportunities that we have in the U.K. and in Ireland because we just started uh, in those two countries about six I'm months ago. I'm sure that's ago. exciting because you have roots in Ireland. I have roots in Ireland. Uh, unfortunately, I lost my dad in 92, but I know mm -hmm. he's smiling down that we're in Ireland, mm -hmm. right? Um, and there's another country in the Far East that we're looking at. Mm -hmm. um, that's still kind of under the covers, uh, but we're excited about that. We're excited about TRA, which is the Row Agency, a staffing mm -hmm. company that we just started. And 
where I'm finding one of the greatest challenges, Conrad, is when you're in your 20s, you don't think about the runway that you have in your life. Now, nobody mm-hmm. has an unlimited runway. So, unfortunately, people die when they're young and people die when they're very old. And I've begun to see, okay, well, you don't have a runway of 50 years anymore, Linda, unless you're going to be really exceptional. (laughs) Um, So if you don't have that runway, what it's done is it's given me such a sense of urgency, I find I have to rein myself in. Because being an entrepreneur, you see opportunity, you want to go after it. And to try to manage that passion and make sure that the rest of the company can come along with you is really challenging. But very, very exciting because there is so much I am looking forward to doing with Capital Concierge and and our new companies. That is so good. And that that, you know, I'm kind of in the same place where I'm kind of looking at the future thinking, okay, this is how many years I probably have left. I'm going to give it all I can in, in those years because I don't want to, and I told this to a friend the other night, I said, I don't want to get to the end of my life looking back saying, I wish I would have done X, Y, Z. Yes. You know, I want to get to the end of my life and say, wow, what a ride that was. So glad I was able to oh do my gosh. these things. Exactly. Why? And that's another thing talking about young people. Why wait? Why don't you go do it? The, Absolutely. You know what? The worst thing that can happen to you is you fail. That's, you know what? And that may be the best thing that happens Exactly. To you. I mean, how many times when you think about your life, how many times have you failed? I was at a gala, the Red Cross um, a Salute to Service Gala a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. David Rubenstein was, in, um, was being interviewed. And I loved one of his comments because the person interviewing him, uh, it was in a VIP reception, and the question was, well, you know, at your age, David seems to me that you would be looking at retiring. And you know what he said? I'm going to sprint to the end. (laughs) I loved it. Loved it. That's great. Because that's uh, somebody that some of the consultants we were taught, I was referencing said, well, what are you going to do? It doesn't sound like you're going to retire. And I said, I'm not going to be doing what I'm doing for the Mm -hmm. rest of my life, but I have a whole bunch of other things Mm -hmm. I want to do. Sure. And I'm going to go do those. As long as I can do those, why not? Yeah. I, I look at it the same way as, you know, I may not be able to do all the physical things that I've done in the past, but I'm going to keep busy mm-hmm. because I've seen what happens when people retire and they just go sit on the porch. Mm-hmm. They don't live long. Mm-mm. And I want to stay active and serve and travel and give and do everything I can to live my life to the full, the full length of my right, life. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think that's so important for everyone to know, to start now. Yes, because you build your life and it's, you know, some people sitting on the porch is what they're passionate about. Sure. Maybe they want to read, maybe they want to just watch the birds out in the, the yard or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I celebrate that. To your point, I mean, we all know more activity is better, particularly Mm -hmm. as you're getting older than it is less activity. But if you know what drives you, if Mm -hmm. you know what makes you happy, that's what you should be doing, right? right? And you sitting, reading or sitting on the 
porch swinging is not what it's you want to do, right? right? Yep. It's not you. Yep. And I know sometimes it drives my husband crazy because I don't sit still a lot. It's because there's lots I want to be doing. And I just, one of the things that I think is really important is, are you happy? You know, in the quiet of the night, are you happy? Because if you are, you are blessed. And if and I and I share with our our new hires, if you get into this, being being a concierge and you find this is just not for you, that's okay. It really is okay because this is your life. This isn't my life. Right. So if you're not happy doing this, that's fine. Let us know. We'll help you find something else because we have a lot of resources that we can tap into, and we've helped people find other positions. But I've always thought, this is my life. It really doesn't matter if everybody around me is happy. If I'm not happy, then I'm not happy. But I get frustrated, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, Conrad. What I'm seeing with younger people, I hear, well, I'm stuck. I can't get another job. Well, you're stuck. Nobody's stucking you, mm -hmm. and I use that purposely. Mm -hmm. uh, you're sticking you. You're stucking you. You're not I doing like anything yeah. to take responsibility mm -hmm. because, you know, if I had to be an accountant, you'd have to put me in a padded cell, <laughs> right? It's just not, but I worked but with thank some, God for accountants. Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You're exactly right. But I remember uh, I was working with uh, someone who became my manager. This is years and years ago in marketing. And he said, I want you to be the... Um, the person outside, I want you to be the customer and employee-facing person because I would rather go in a small room, close the door, and not talk to anybody. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's like purgatory for me. <laughs> but he, it made him He was a brilliant marketing person, but he didn't want to talk to anybody. It just happens that I like people. I find us fascinating. I always say I think we're fascinating animals. Somebody said to me, we're not an animal. Well, yes, we are. We are. I just think we are fascinating. What we think, how we think it, why we think it, what we do. I mean, and think of all, and I say this to our, our new hires, there are billions of people on the earth, billions. How many of you have stopped to think there's only one you? You're one wow. in billions. And so don't you think you deserve to be happy? This is your life. This isn't anybody else's life. Be happy. Whatever it's doing. You want to go flip hamburgers? I mean, that's one of the things I'd love to do is buy a McDonald's franchise. Drive Bill crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but I would love to. I mean, their management. I just am fascinated with that company, right? Mm -hmm. But it's whatever makes you happy. There's an old Texas saying. I don't know if I can say this on this podcast, but it's whatever blows up your skirt. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it is. It just, this is your life. Great. Enjoy your yeah. life. You've been given a blessing, and why are you not doing it? And I will tell you, I made a commitment to myself, Conrad, when I was in college. And I was working three part-time jobs. This is not one of those poor little Linda stories, but I was working three part-time jobs, carrying 18 hours, trying to keep a 4-0, which is totally insane. Why would you do that? And uh, I had a family and a daughter, and my husband wasn't working, and I'm in school, and I am like, I do not even today know how I did it, but I did. And so 
3.31 morning, I'm getting ready to go to school because I have a 6 a.m. final. And I look up in the mirror, and I'm in the bathroom, and I had a book in one hand and a curling iron in the other. And I look in the mirror, and I said to Linda, Linda, after you get this piece of paper, if it ain't fun, you ain't doing it. Mm -hmm. That was in 1981, and that commitment still stands today. So if this stops being fun, I ain't doing it. It just, why not have fun? I think that's great advice, and I think that's a great way to kind of wrap up this this <clears throat> podcast. Linda, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for asking me and Absolutely. allowing me to be a part of this. I'm so excited for you. Yeah. So I'm. it's kind of an experiment. I don't know where it's going to go, but said I, I got to do this and see what happens. I may do 10 interviews and say, forget it. I'm, I'm tired of it, but maybe not. But see, you've just shown something that you want to try something and you're not afraid to go try it, and you have the courage to do that. I always say it's kind of an old farmer saying, but you throw your hat over the fence. Oh, yes. And now you have to go chase (laughs) it, right? Right, (laughs) exactly. So that's what I kind of like to do. I like to throw my hat over the fence and like, okay, what'd you do that for? Now you got to go actually do something, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Thanks, Linda, for spending time with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I'm sure our listeners did as well. I look forward to the next time we can get together and have an update on the My Story podcast. If you want to learn more about Linda and her company, visit CapitalConcierge.com, and you can learn all about what Linda is doing in the concierge industry in D.C. and around the world. Hey, if you've enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe so you won't miss the next episode. And please let me know what you think in the comments and ratings. I really appreciate it. It helps to hear feedback from you, the good, the bad, the ugly, so to speak. I'm always looking to improve what I do. Coming up next week, we'll hear an interview with Jason Brubaker. Jason is a Los Angeles-based movie distribution executive and the founder of Brubaker Unlimited and he currently consults with media companies, rights holders, content creators to develop strategies to source content, to maximize distribution, to grow audiences, to build buzz. He's a contributing author of The Independence Guide to Film Distributors and the founder of Filmmaking Stuff, a professional resource for independent filmmakers. Had a great conversation with Jason recently, and I look forward to bringing it to you next week for the second episode of the My Story Podcast. Hey, if you like the music on today's show, it's from my friend Drew Davidson. You can get his latest album and hear all his music on iTunes or Spotify or on drewdavidson.com. That's drewdavidson.com. Last, if you have an idea for an interview you'd like to hear, send me a message and I'll see what I can do. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you again next week on the My Story Podcast. Podcast.